Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome to Freemasonry in seven minutes or less. In this episode, we'll be discussing the relationship between Arthur D. and Elias Ashmole. One of the most important figures in the early days of Freemasonry is Elias Ashmole. Ashmole is the first person for which there is written record of their initiation into speculative Freemasonry, that being the 16th of October, 1646. Ashmole was an antiquary with a strong Baconian leaning towards the study of nature and his library reflected his intellectual outlook. It included works on English history, law, alchemy, astrology, astronomy, and botany, to name but a few. He also founded and endowed the world's first public museum, which was essentially his own private collection, the imaginatively named Ashmolean Museum in central Oxford. I've been lucky enough to frequent this museum many times and have always been impressed by the grandeur of this private collection. It's worth a visit for any student of Masonic history as the different sections hint at what was on the mind of the architects of the early speculative masonry with the classical Greek, Hebraic, Assyrian, Babylonian, Egyptian, East Asian, Roman, Persian, Near Eastern and early scientific instrument, instrument collections giving a worthy insight. Of note is the fact that the British Museum in London was started as a competitor to the Ashmolean and thus began the concept of a public museum. Ashmole published two works in his lifetime, one being his magnum opus, the Theatrum Chemicum Britannicum, a compendium of nearly all known alchemical literature of the time, and the other, less known but no less important, Fasciculus Chemicus, a more practical anthology of alchemical works co-authored with Arthur D. Arthur was the physician and alchemist son of the illustrious John Dee, and for the sake of brevity, I will not go over who John Dee was or what he was famous for in this podcast, but it does give an interesting twist on what was concerning the minds of high society at the time. The Ashmolean Museum holds a lot of John Dee's magical equipment, and I was lucky enough to get very close to them, the Sigillum Deameth, his shoe stone and crystal ball, but luckily I didn't touch them as this is probably for the better, as uh, Trithemis' work, How to Draw Spirits into Crystals, was correct. Uh, Arthur was John's only surviving son, and so inherited a vast amount of his father's occult knowledge. Arthur had met and was in contact with the infamous Edward Kelly and had been taught alchemy by him. And Kelly was said to have been in possession of a mysterious red projecting powder, which he called the Philosopher's Stone. So in summary... Ashmole, the first speculative Freemason, was associated with the son of England's most famous mathematician, stroke magician, stroke astrologist, stroke angelologist. So, Brother Renshaw, do you see if there's any influence that Dee has had upon the craft? Yes. So, um, I don't think uh, Dee directly had an influence. Um, I think that he was, as his interest in alchemy, um, and particularly the Enochian language that he um, wrote down. He didn't invent it. He said he he wrote it down. He was taught by angels directly. But those people in those days were very much into alchemy, magic. And, um, for example, like the red projecting powder you mentioned, um, Robert Boyle and... Um, uh, Isaac Newton. So when Robert Boyle died, uh, he was said to have some red magic projecting powder, mm. uh, which he then bequeathed to Isaac Newton. Um, I don't think they knew exactly what it was and how to use it, um, uh, whether it actually worked or not is another question. Mm -hmm. But uh, it does show that 
people of that. This is a time when um, the modern sciences hadn't been formulated. So there wasn't a uh, physics, chemistry, geology as we think them. They were just called uh, national uh, natural philosophy. Yes. And so um, astrology and astronomy were basically the same thing as they were concerned. Um, they all believed that the stars were there to show us something. And we, if you knew how to read them, uh, we could use it to benefit our daily lives. And so this astrology and, um, and the, the other point, of course, is that the church was very much against all of this. They believed anything to do with angels uh, and spirits was their purview. So... Um, a lot of the work that was done, particularly by D and um, people that followed him, uh, Rolfo Magis, for example, um, uh, Jeffrey Carlyle, mm -hmm. a famous alchemist who blew up his house. Um, these people had to do it in secret, and that's why they formed cabals, secret groups, and uh, they had to be very careful. They weren't caught up by the Inquisition and... Um, uh, perhaps executed for uh, working with the devil, for example. That's what the mm -hmm. church would have said. So it was a very tenuous uh, but exciting time in English history, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, but Kelly had his ears cropped, I think it was on the continent, um, by one of the emperors after he didn't produce the gold that he promised. And right. The projection pad, I think, was picked up in, in Dunstan, um, and he also picked up a manuscript called the Book of Dunstan. I think I think that might be the um, the Voynich manuscript, or what we know as the Voynich manuscript. But um, that's a that's one for another podcast. <laughs> lots but, of podcasts. But that's lots, lots of, of information there. I think I think we probably will keep it there for the sake of brevity and don't want to overload right. people. But um, well, that brings this episode to a close. If you have any questions, please email on the link below. We now um, part on the square. And we will meet soon. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.